everyone to CFRC 101.9 FM. I'm here today with Jackie Grubel, who is a fourth year student at Queen's studying biology. As one of the award winners at the Inquiry at Queen's conference, she's here to talk about her research, Validation of a Species Distribution Model. So thank you so much for coming out today, Jackie. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, I am a student from California. Uh, I was born and raised there, and I decided to come to Queens in my 12th grade. And uh, one of the big reasons that motivated me to come to Queens was uh, my entire family has gone here. Um, both my parents went here, my older brother has gone here, and um, I'm a twin. And so the oh, two of wow. us decided to come out here wow. together. And I always kind of wanted to go into sciences, and I thought, well, better than biology. And I love the diverse range of courses biology offers and the, also the courses that you can take outside of biology, just being an art science. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So, like, what courses would you say are your favorite? Um, I, this one isn't specifically a biology course, and everyone thinks I'm absolutely crazy, but I really mm-hmm. enjoyed organic chemistry. Really? Um, I've heard so many things about it where students just have such a hard time with it. Yeah, and you can wow. go in with it. You're so scared and you're so scared it's going to be so hard. But for me, it's kind of a puzzle. Each each kind of question is you work forwards and you work backwards and and it's just working through a puzzle and, and there's patterns and that. that's, a, that's a big thing I like about it. But wow. other than that, I really, really like uh, macrobiology and ecology which is uh, one of the reasons that I decided to do a project with my professor. That's awesome. Um, so again, congrats on your award. Thank you. Um, can you tell us a bit about Inquiry at Queens and how you got involved with that? Yeah, my supervisor um, sent me the link to Inquiry at Queens and he said, you know what, every year um, I encourage my students to apply and speak in the conference. It's great practice it's also quite challenging i think to talk about your your entire project that you've been working on for the past yeah. six months eight months um in three minutes and also fit it all uh-huh. on one poster page um that was the Absolutely. the presentation style that i did and so he said it's a great opportunity to go and get the practice presenting and speaking about your work and um yeah so that's how i found out about inquiry at queen's Wow, that's really great. Um, so can you tell us a bit about your project? Yeah, so I originally was supposed to start the project as part of a sweat position. Um, I was supposed to go to California, which is where the study oh, species. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah, the study species I'm, I'm working on uh, actually grows in California from Baja, California, Mexico, all the way up into Oregon. So we were kind of supposed to go up the range um, where we where the species grows and collect data on it this summer. But unfortunately, due to COVID, we couldn't do that. So um, as when my project started, I kind of, uh, my prof and I worked on a way to figure out how to make it uh, completely online. And so I kind of got into this model validation, which is the species distribution model. And so my entire project um, centers around that. Interesting. Can you tell us a bit about the species distribution model? A species distribution model is a type of model that uh, 
so essentially you pull a bunch of species occurrence data off the internet. So latitude, longitude information about where uh, mm. individuals in a species have been seen, where they exist, and you draw them off of multiple different sites on the internet. And then you go through and you kind of clean up this data and make sure everything is looking the way it's supposed to look. And then you download um, also, once again, from the internet, environmental data, which we call bioclimatic variables. So th these are things like uh, temperature and solar radiation and wind and precipitation and uh, soil substrate type. And so the model builds a relationship between the location of these species and the bioclimatic variables at those locations. So let's say the model then builds a relationship between the species occurrence and uh, something like precipitation. And if the species only occurs where there's a lot of precipitation, the model will pick up on that. So then oh. you use this model to predict where the species might occur outside of where we know it occurs. So the species I work with has um, a very uh, two-dimensional range. So it really only occurs along the coast of California and it doesn't grow inland. So uh, it has very stable northern and southern range limits at Oregon and in Baja, California, and it doesn't grow mm -hmm. inland from the coast. So for my project, we are trying to predict where the species might occur beyond its northern range limit. So the model then used this relationship between bioclimatic variables and the known species occurrence points in order to predict where beyond where we see it, where is it most likely to occur, which is an index of habitat suitability. Wow, that was a really great description for someone who has no idea about what that was, but thank you for that. So what exactly do you use a species distribution model for? I know you mentioned habitat compatibility. Yeah, um, a species distribution model can be used for a lot of different things. Um, right now, a lot of it's being used in conservation biology. So, oh, I see. Um, okay. There's a lot of change happening in our climate, right? Uh, mm -hmm. The north is warming, um, things like that. And with that, we expect um, some species for their ranges to shrink and others to expand north as, as the climate warms north, uh, like let's say even in Canada, as climate warms north in Canada, we expect some species to start uh, existing in those northern areas yeah, that absolutely. didn't previously exist, previously exist there. So it's being used mm -hmm. to, to kind of predict that shift um, and, and dedicate uh, resources for conservation efforts uh, for those species. Um, I've also read some papers that have used species distribution modeling to do conservation efforts with um, the coral reefs. Oh, um, wow, that's really I, Yeah, I didn't even know you could do something like that for the ocean. Um, uh -huh. And then it's all, it can, I, I'm pretty sure it can also be used for things like food scarcity. So if crops can only grow in this type of climate under shifting climate, how will it affect food production? That's really cool. Thanks for sharing. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything else you'd like to add about your project? Yeah, the project is, it's not just building a species distribution model. Um, mm -hmm. Since these types of models, especially just computer models in general, are becoming more and more popular, 
over the years as technology advances, as the what's available on the internet grows, um, computer models are commonly just getting used more often. But there's a problem with using these type of models if they haven't been validated, if the, if the output of the model hasn't been what we call ground truth um, with real-time data. So my project isn't just building a species distribution model, it's building one and then comparing it to real-life fitness data. So how, how these populations that, uh, of the species that I'm looking at, how do they actually do in these areas where the model predicts high habitat suitability? Do they actually um, persist? And so my, my project really compares the fitness of populations to the um, species distribution model output to see if this type of model really is reliable. I see. And have you found that it does correlate? Yeah, I, I found a moderate correlation. Um, it's, it's, it's hard because uh, without lots and lots and lots of fitness data, because um, to do these fitness experiments, it takes a long time. Um, you have to collect generations yeah. of data, which Action. can take up to many years. It's yeah. expensive to go from mm -hmm. Kingston all the way out to California to live in the field and, and to do these types of experiments. So without lots and lots of data, it's really hard to get a significant output, I mean, uh, sorry, a, significant, a statistically significant difference between um, the, the model and the fitness data. But as of right now, I do have a moderate correlation between the output and the fitness. The, the, the model uh, reliably, in a sense, predicts uh, the fitness of the populations in those areas. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I know you mentioned the coral reefs as well, and that kind of coincides with marine biology. What yeah. would you say, you know, your study, like what, what, you know, subsector, I guess, mm -hmm. of biology are you kind of focusing on? Uh, this is, I would say, uh, ecology and biogeography, okay. um, kind of a mix between the two. Um, yeah, that's great. But yeah, this type of, of work definitely has uh, implications in many, many different fields of biology, as you Absolutely. just said, in marine yeah, biology too. Yeah, it's applicable to literally everything. Yeah. Um, so what were some difficulties or, you know, major constraints you faced while conducting your research? And I know you spoke about distance, mm -hmm. you know, expenses, California to Kingston, that's huge. So if there's anything else. Yeah, the this type of... Um, this type of research is actually quite interesting in the sense that uh, when you build a computer model, you don't actually have to go to those locations. I mean, uh, looking at myself, you can sit in your desk chair in your room and build one of these uh, without even having to leave your bedroom. Um, but for that fitness data, um, that definitely is one of the difficulties. There's a limited amount. Um, also, this type of computer uh, coding in R, um, which is the program I'm working in, it's not taught in the biology department. Oh. And so uh, every aspect of this project has been um, a complete independent teaching on, on my part, um, kind of just learning off the internet. And there's a steep learning curve when you're working in different packages Absolutely. in R. And yeah. um, so that was definitely also one of the the more difficult aspects of my project, having to self-teach um, yeah, the entire computer code. Wow. So did you take any courses for that? Yeah, I or... took um, Bio243, which is that kind of mixed uh, intro to statistics course that a lot of programs take, psychology, um, biology, mm -hmm. nursing, 
um, yeah. geography, they all take that course. And then the biology department kind of offers a more advanced next level course to that, which is biology 343, um, which is kind of, it's more big data analysis. You start to, to work with um, data sets that have a uh, biological uh, aspect to them rather than just the random data sets that you're given in 243. And you kind of start to look at these data sets like a biologist rather than um, how, how they're looked at in 243 where it's just, just, you're student, just learning these kind of statistical yeah. techniques. Um, mm -hmm. so that For was sure. that, and that's how I actually met my professor was through that oh, wow. biology 343 course. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So what direction do you plan on pursuing your research or, you know, what direction do you see it going in the future? I'm really, really hoping, um, to finish up the project. I mean, it's my fourth year project. So oh, by the end of the okay. year, I'll have to have that wrapped up, but I'm yeah. hoping once the project has been wrapped up, I can start drafting a couple manuscripts um, to uh, to submit to journals and uh, hopefully get it published in, in a journal if, if I manage that. And uh, this is also a pretty new area of uh, research for the, the lab itself. Oh, so I'm hoping um, so maybe another incoming student like, who wants to do a thesis project in the lab can maybe take the work I've done a step further. That's incredible. Wow. Mm -hmm. So that being said, do you have any advice for students in your major in first or second year? Yeah, it's uh, everyone thinks talking to profs are scary. And one thing you have to realize is they're just, they're a person too. They're just a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And so if you're really interested in doing a research project in your fourth year, start talking to profs now. And, and take a range of courses, because who knows, I, I never thought that I'd be interested in this R coding. And I ended up doing a project in it and loving it. And so just take a variety of courses and talk to your profs because they're super nice. They're not scary. That's really solid advice. I completely agree with you there. Um, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, yeah, and if you end up doing a research project, definitely apply for Inquiry at Queens. Um, it was a fantastic experience. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thank you for tuning in, everyone, and I hope you have a great day. You're tuned into CFRC 101.9 FM, and you're listening to The Scoop. I'm Elizabeth Kim, and we have a few news updates for you folks today. Cataraki Conservation will be closing and locking the gates on the Cataraki Trail on Wednesday, March 31, 2021. The gates are open during snowmobile season to allow snowmobiles with a valid OFSC permit to use the trail. They are closed during the balance of the year to keep other motorized vehicles off the Cataraki Trail. Other than snowmobiles, only authorized maintenance vehicles are allowed to access the trail. The Cataraki Trail is a 104-kilometer-long multi-use trail along a former railway line that goes from Smith Falls to Strathcona near Napanee. Permitted uses on the trail include hiking, cycling, cross-country skiing, and horseback riding. For more information, visit www.cataraki-trail.ca. The Household Hazardous Waste Depot opens for the season on Thursday, April 1st. 
located at the Kingston Area Recycling Center, 196 Lappins Lane. The depot accepts household hazardous waste items, Thursdays from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. Physical distancing and contactless service measures are in place, and residents are reminded to follow the directions provided by the depot attendants while visiting. Directions include stay in your vehicle while waiting for an attendant to serve you, either unload your items into a provided basket or stay in your vehicle while items are unloaded for you, wear a non-medical mask while using the service, and wash or sanitize hands before and after visiting. Bring proof of residency, for example, a driver's license, when dropping off household hazardous waste. For reporting purposes, the City of Kingston tracks whether facility visitors are from Kingston or another nearby community. So about household hazardous waste and what to bring. Never put hazardous material in with regular garbage or recycling and never pour it down a drain or toilet. Store hazardous material in original containers in a cool, dry place safely away from food, children, or pets until you can bring it to the household hazardous waste facility. Look for warning labels and instructions on products and handle any potentially hazardous materials with care. Do not mix hazardous materials and, when possible, bring items in their original containers. Household hazardous waste includes items such as adhesives, aerosol containers, antifreeze, batteries of all kinds, compact fluorescent lights and tubes, fire extinguishers, fuels, household cleaners, mercury devices such as switches, thermometers, and thermostats, oil, paint, propane cylinders, and solvents. Don't know where it goes? Visit www.cityofkingston.ca slash waste lookup. Do not bring these items to the Household Hazardous Waste Depot. Asbestos, incandescent light bulbs, or smoke detectors, as smoke detectors can go in your garbage. To dispose of explosives, flares, or ammunition, contact Kingston Police for assistance at 613-549-4660. Certain household hazardous waste items can be dropped off at other locations. Expired or unused pharmaceuticals and your needles, visit www.healthsewer.ca slash returns slash Ontario. If you find a needle, do not touch it. Contact KFLNA Public Health via the Street Health Center at 613-549-1440 to report its location. Visit www.makethedrop.ca or productcare.org to find a list of retailers that take some household hazardous waste items. City and Utilities Kingston schedules change this week due to the Easter holiday. Visiting in person risks spreading COVID-19. Please limit close contact with those outside your household and continue to physically distance and use face coverings as required during the Easter long weekend. Green Bin Garbage and Recycling There is no collection on Friday, April 2nd or Monday, April 5th. Friday's material will be collected Saturday. Monday's collection moves to Tuesday and collection moves forward a day for the rest of the week. Kingston Transit There is no bus service on Friday. Kingston Access Services No service on Friday, regular service Saturday and Sunday, limited service Monday. Call 613-542-2512 for information. KAS offices are closed on Friday and open regular hours on Saturday and Sunday and from 8 a.m. to noon on Monday. Kingston Area Recycling Center, closed Friday and Monday. Administrative offices including Housing and Social Services and Provincial Offenses on Montreal Street, closed Friday and Monday. Utilities Kingston and Kingston Hydro. 
Utilities Kingston and Kingston Hydro are closed Friday through Monday. In the event of a utility emergency, such as a gas smell, power outage, or a water main break, call Utilities Kingston slash Kingston Hydro's 24-hour number at 613-546-1181. Hydro One electricity customers in City West and East can call 1-800-434-1235. Enbridge customers can call 1-877-969-0999. Reminder for customers on time of use pricing. For electricity used on weekends and holidays like Family Day, prices are off-peak. Kingston Frontenac Public Library is closed Friday, Sunday, and Monday. Arenas are closed Friday and Monday. Artillery Park Aquatic Center is closed Friday and Monday. Rideau Heights Community Center is closed Friday and Monday. Invista Center slash Fitness and Wellness Center is closed Friday and Monday. The Tet Center for Creativity and Learning is closed Friday and Monday, but open on Easter Sunday. The Juniper Cafe is closed Monday, but is otherwise open. Please use patio doors to access the cafe when the rest of the Tet Center is closed. Find events and programs at www.tetcenter.org. The Grand Theatre Box Office is closed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Find virtual events at www.kingstongrand.ca. The Pump House Museum is closed to accommodate and exhibit change. Find virtual activities at www.kingstonpumphouse.ca slash learn explore. The City Hall Market Wing Cultural Space is closed this Easter weekend. The McLachlan Woodworking Museums are closed. Over the coming weeks, Angonado will be hosting pop-up COVID-19 vaccination clinics in the Angonado Resource Center's auditorium at 191 Portsmouth Avenue. These clinics will be for individuals with developmental disabilities living in congregate care settings from various agencies in Kingston, Frontenac, Lennox, and Addington, including Angonada, Community Living Kingston, Community Living North Frontenac, Community Living Lennox and Addington, Christian Horizons, and Sensity, to name a few. Many of the individuals living in our congregate care homes are medically fragile or have other vulnerabilities, putting them at higher risk of COVID-19 which is why Angonada has continually advocated ensuring they are vaccinated as soon as possible. In hosting the clinics in Angonada, not only is it taking some of the burden off the other vaccine clinics in the region, it is also an opportunity for individuals to come into a space that most are familiar with and have the vaccine administered by staff that they are familiar with, decreasing the level of stress and anxiety associated with the process of receiving a vaccine. Dr. Kieran Moore stopped by to tour the clinic on Thursday, March 25th. When asked how he felt about the clinic, he said that he was honored that the health unit was able to partner with Angonada and be able to immunize members of the community who are somewhat more vulnerable or are living in congregate care settings. Alistair Liam, Chief Executive Officer with Angonada says, these clinics would not be possible if it weren't for strong advocacy, excellent collaboration with KFLNA Public Health and the phenomenal effort of many staff from both organizations. It's wonderful that some of our region's most vulnerable people are being vaccinated as early as they are. In City News, Kingston has closed Breakwater Park Beach area and Gordowney Pier. Based on the recommendation of KFLNA Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Kieran Moore, the city closed the beach area of Breakwater Park and Gordowney Pier to reduce the risk of COVID-19 in the community. Kingston Police and the city's bylaw enforcement team are enforcing current regulations under the province's orders. The Section 22 order issued by KFLNA Public Health 
and this new Breakwater Park slash Gord Downey Pier closure order. Please call Kingston's police non-emergency number to report gatherings of concern at 613-549-4660. Variants of concern are cause of over 40% of new COVID-19 cases in KFLNA. Dr. Moore has confirmed that 42.1% of cases reporting within KFLNA in the last seven-day period ending on March 18th are variants of concern, and provincially, Ontario is reporting 2380 new cases, a sharp rise in total cases with an average provincial variant positivity of 49.1%. KFLNA Public Health recommends adherence to these strategies. Access asymptomatic testing if you have traveled or had visitors from outside our region to detect positive COVID-19 cases early. Isolate for at least 10 days if you have a confirmed or probable case of COVID-19, and isolate for at least 14 days if you've had a high-risk contact, including any household contacts. Variants of concern are more infectious. The province now recommends individuals around someone exposed to this virus should stay home. Refer to the Section 22 class order to enforce self-isolation requirements in KFLNA region for more information on how to safely self-isolate. Have no more than five people in social gatherings indoors and outdoors within the city of Kingston as per the Section 22 class order to limit social gatherings. The Section 22 order has been extended until April 30th, 2021. Public Health has revised and extended the order with the main focus of continuing to prohibit gatherings of more than five persons and lifted several restrictions on businesses where public health measures are already in place to keep the community safe. Social gatherings include recreational activities such as functions, parties, dinners, or wedding receptions held in private residences, backyards, or parks that are not monitored or staffed by a business or organization. The social gathering limit does not apply to members of the same household, which may include a caregiver or a single individual who has exclusive contact with the household. If you are eligible to book a COVID-19 vaccine, book online at www.ontario.ca slash bookvaccine. If you require assistance with booking, have a red and white health card, or questions about vaccines, call 1-888-999-6488, open daily from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. If you do not have a health card, email address, or phone number, call 343-477-0172, open Monday to Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Please do not contact KFLNA Public Health's main line to inquire about booking appointments, vaccine information, or to check eligibility requirements. Residents are being asked to follow local news sources and or public health's Twitter feed. Follow at KFLAPH or visit twitter.com slash KFLAPH so that they will be aware when they are eligible to book. For more information, visit www kflaph.ca slash coronavirus or www.ontario.ca slash coronavirus and follow Public Health's Twitter feed at kflaph. The provincial online vaccine booking tool will be available on Monday, March 29th to register adults 70 years of age and older, born 1951 or earlier. Booking online offers the fastest access to available clinic appointments. Eligible individuals with a green photo health card can schedule their first and second vaccination appointments by visiting www.ontario.ca slash bookvaccine. If you require assistance 
or have a red and white health card, call 1-888-999-6488, open daily from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. If you do not have a health card, phone number, or email address, please call 343-477-0172, only KFLNA residents. Open Monday to Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. Please do not call Public Health's main line to book an appointment. As KFLNA Public Health and community partners continue to offer COVID-19 vaccines to eligible groups, all residents are asked to be patient. If you are not eligible, consider assisting family and friends who are, especially adults who are 70 years of age by the end of 2021 or older, who may not have online access or be comfortable booking online appointments. Eligible adults may pre-register for a standby list for extra doses of the COVID-19 vaccine that may become available due to missed appointments. Please visit the vaccine webpage to complete the form. The provincial online appointment system will be the most efficient way to book a COVID-19 vaccine clinic appointment, followed by the provincial telephone line. Please do not attend COVID-19 vaccine clinics without an appointment. Vaccines will only be given to those who have an appointment. We appreciate your cooperation to help ensure local vaccine clinics can operate efficiently and effectively. For the most up-to-date information on COVID-19, visit www.kflaph.ca slash coronavirus or www.ontario.ca slash coronavirus. That's all for today. Thanks so much for tuning in and have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Scoop, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.